What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Uncensored Christian Podcast, where we help real people with real problems know the real God. Hey, if you enjoy this message, leave a rating and review. And if you would like to give to this ministry, there's a link in the description below. I hope you enjoy this message. I hope y'all is ready for this message. When I tell you right now, I was not planning on giving this message today. I was not planning on it. I had everything set in stone to give a message about how we need to understand the value of what God has given us before we give it away for something unvaluable. I was so prepared to give this message because I was going to give it on Jacob and Esau. I was ready. You know, Jacob and Esau, the two brothers that go back to back, they fighting all the time. They are not each other's friends. And I was going to talk about the story where Esau, the oldest son, sells his birthright to his younger brother Jacob for some lentil stew, one of the nastiest creations on planet earth. He was about to sell his birthright for some stew because he was hungry and I was so ready to give this message. I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna talk about how what God gives us is so great and in the moment we don't realize it, but sometimes we sacrifice the the things in the future for momentary gain. Sometimes we will sacrifice our integrity, things that we cannot get back just so we can have a moment of of indulgence. But God showed me something in this text today that at first glance went unnoticed to me. See, I decided to read more about this story uh, and get some more context. So I went a few chapters before it. And I was reading through some of the stories that, that happened. And I read through it once and I thought, man, this is kind of boring. Let me get to what I want to get to. But then I read it again. And God showed me something greater out of something that at first was overlooked. And what I'm so excited to share with you today is the impact that God showed me from something that went unnoticed. See, what I'm about to reveal to you today is something that was buried deep within the text. And I had to dig it out. It was not something that caught my eye. It was something that would have been overlooked and it required me digging deep into what God showed me to really find the treasure. See, a lot of what God gives us in our life requires us to go on a treasure hunt. That sounds crazy, right? But think about it. Think about people who find insane treasure. Think about like archaeologists that be finding all of these remnants and these relics that are worth millions of dollars. Think about these treasure hunters. What happens? Where do they find this stuff? These treasure hunters find treasure at places where people have been roaming for thousands of years. Like the, like these people will find stuff in parks and, and in areas where people just walked by like 10 minutes ago. And what it makes me realize is that I wonder what we have been missing because we've been too busy to dig. What gifts has God given you? What things has God placed inside of you that you missed because you were too busy to dig where God has placed you? And often I found that God does not require me to roam for my resources. What he asks of me is to just dig deeper where I'm at. I wonder what we could find inside of ourselves if we just dug where we're at. I wonder what we could find in our marriage if we just dug deeper in what God has given us. I wonder what we could find in our kids 
if we gave them the energy and the attention that they needed, I wonder what God has already done in your life. And if only you were willing to dig where you were at, would you find it? But that's not the message for today. That's not all of it, at least. I want to hop straight into this text and show you what was overlooked. It's in Genesis 26, and we're going to start in verse 12. When Isaac, when Isaac planted his crops that year, Isaac is Jacob and Esau's dad. He harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech, who was the king, ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. I want to preach to you from the title of this message today, and that is Dig Deeper. Dig Deeper. I'll be honest with you, I almost named this message, there's levels to this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like when people talk about how good they are, they're like, yo, there's levels to this, man. You just ain't at that level. I was going to name it, there's levels to this, because what I, what I found is that there are levels to which we do everything. There's, there's levels that we give when it comes to our work. There's levels to which we love our spouse. Ooh. And what I found in my life is that there's even levels to which we are in relationship with God. And what's sad is, is that many of us choose to stay at the surface level because it's easier to stay at the surface level where everything is easy. Because if you dig, if you dug deeper into your walk with God, you'll find that he reveals many things to you that need to be changed. You'll find that he requires more of you. You'll find that he wants to put you in positions that are uncomfortable. So for many of us, it's easier to have this outward appearance of a relationship with God. And we stay at the surface level where everything looks fine. It's like a flower or it's even like a tree. At the surface level, you see the tree and it looks big and it looks great and it looks fruitful. But what really is important is how deep the roots go. Because if you have a tree that doesn't have roots that go deep enough, you can easily pick it from the ground. It can easily be moved. But if you have a tree with roots that dig deep into the levels as uh, to the levels to which it goes, that tree cannot be easily moved. But I call this message dig deeper simply because of the wells. The the wells? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the wells that we just read about in the text. The wells that, that Isaac went to whenever he got kicked out because he got too powerful because God blessed him too much. So the world did not like what Isaac was doing. So they had to move him away. So Isaac ran into these wells that his father has dug. And so I call this message dig deeper because of the well. See, the privilege I get by this being my job to to preach these messages to you, I get to do things that some of y'all will never do. And you're lucky that you'll never have to do them. 
when God gave me this message about wells and about digging deeper, I decided, you know what? It's probably a good idea to learn about wells. So I spent a better part of two and a half days learning all I could about hand dug wells. It's extremely boring, trust me. But I learned a lot. I learned way more than I probably should have about wells. But what I learned about wells in this culture is that wells were extremely important. They were vital to survival because wells brought life. They brought a supply of living water. They were a resource for the people around them. But wells also were a place for people to meet. Because often in these cultures, the women would gather at the wells on a daily basis to grab water. And so that's where they would convene and talk and hang out. Wells were extremely important to these cultures. But what I learned about these hand dug wells is that to get to the actual source of water, you had to dig deep. We all know what wells look like, right? They got the brick on the outside. They're circular. They got the little, uh, the rope and then a little bucket. The wells look cool on the surface, but you have to actually dig really deep before you hit any water, before you reach your supply. So you're required to dig deep before you can receive from the well. You know, it got me thinking. If, if our relationship with God was visualized by a well, we would have a gosh darn looking good well. Like, like our well would look so clean, bro. If our relationship with God to the outside world were, were to look like a well, we would have our well looking so dope. I'm talking, we would have freshly polished brick. The mortar would be laid so nice. It'd be perfectly circular. The circumference would be big enough to get all the water. Our rope would be pristine, boy. Our bucket, handmade. It'd be looking so good. Our well would be a symbol for everyone around us that we are doing good. On the outside, it would look so nice. On the outside, our well would be an inspiration to other people. But but if we allowed people to get close enough to, to our well, if we allowed people to truly see what was going on on the inside, they would see that our well would be empty because we never bothered to dig deep enough to reach the supply. Mm. See, many of us at the surface level will try and treat God like a well. We'll treat God like something that we can go to when we're in need. When we need a refill, when we need a pick-me-up, when we need to say a prayer to make us feel better, when we need some help with our finances, we'll ignore God all day long when we're filled with other things. But the second that we need a little something, we'll go to God. To see if we can get a refill. And otherwise he's left alone. But what we have to learn. Is that before we can take from the well. Before we can just come to God. Expecting to get this that and the other. We need to first be able to dig deep enough. Into what he's called us to do. So we can reach our supply. And so God gave me this word. He gave me this text. In Genesis 26. And I wanted to find out how deep it went. 
Since I named this Dig Deeper, I decided to dig deeper into the text and just what we see. Because all you see at the surface level is that Isaac got rich. He was stunting. He was wealthy. And they kicked him out because of it. And then all you see after that is he just found some wells and, and you know, refilled them, reopened them. No big deal. But I want to dig a little bit deeper because I believe the Holy Spirit's not done teaching us something from this text. But God gave me this word, and so I decided to dig a little bit deeper. And what caught my eye is that when Isaac got to the wells, the first thing that he did was he reopened the wells that his father had dug. And this was interesting to me. It, it, it was interesting to me that he reopened the wells. Because essentially what he's doing is he's reopening something that had already been used up. He's reopening something that has already served its purpose. He's reopening something that the world had already forgot about. And it made me think, aren't you glad that God is able to use the parts of you that are used up? That God is able to use the parts of you that have served its purpose. Aren't you glad that God is able to use the parts in you that are so tired from its constant work? Aren't you glad that God can pull out of you things that you once thought were dead? He reopened what was once cut off. And so I kept digging. Because I wanted to, I wanted to figure out why these were, why these were filled up. Why did they stop these wells? And so when I kept digging deeper, I found out something in the text because a few chapters before that, I read about Abimelech, the same king that kicked Isaac out of town. This same king had interactions with Abraham. And what was happening is the Philistines were filling up Abraham's wells. So Abraham ended up having an enemy who was fighting against him, filling up his supply, filling up his source of life. They were attacking him at the very thing that could potentially take him out. And this opened my eyes because now Isaac is fighting against the very same king, the very same king and the very same people that filled up the wells that his father had once dug that brought life is now kicking him out. And he's having to deal with the repercussions of his father's enemies. And what it makes me think and what it opened my eyes to is how sometimes in our lives we may be fighting the same enemies that those before us did. You may be fighting the same enemy of addiction. You may be fighting the same enemy of divorce that runs in your family. You may be fighting the same enemy of disorder and disease that tends to come down generation to generation. You may have to be dealing with the poor financial choices that your parents made. You may be, ha ooh, you may be having to deal with enemies that your parents once fought. But what I got to let you know is that God is able to reopen the things that you once thought were shut off. God is able to reopen. God is able to reopen some things in your life. What is God trying to reopen in your life that has been locked up? That's the question I have. Is God trying to reopen your ability to trust? 
because it got locked up once people that you trusted in your life hurt you? Is God trying to reopen your ability to forgive? Because those that you once loved, time and time again, betrayed you and hurt you and did things to you that were unforgivable, but God's trying to get you to forgive. Is God trying to reopen your passion? Because what you once thought was lost in your marriage, God's trying to rekindle it. I wonder what God is trying to reopen in your life. But this is so beautiful because I dug a little bit deeper and I found out that this is a picture of Jesus. The whole reopening of what was once buried. Oh, that's so good. Mm. See, Jesus reopened our path to God because our path to God once upon a time got cut off. When Adam and Eve sinned to the garden, we no longer could be in his presence because we were filled with sin. So the straight, direct path that we had to God had been cut off. And see what Jesus did when he died on that cross is the same thing that Isaac did when he reopened the wells that were once dug up. Jesus reopened our path to get to God. He reopened our path to salvation all because he died for our sins. But I love this so much because it's another picture of Jesus I don't want you to miss. Because just as these wells were buried by his father's enemies, just as the supply of living water was once buried, Jesus reopened the tomb and Jesus walked out of it. And what was once closed off, what was once dead, what was once buried, Jesus reopened it so we could have a supply of living water. Oh, that is so, so good. All right. Next thing, because I dug a little bit deeper. What else did he do? So it said that he reopened the wells his father had dug. Great. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Okay, so he reopened and he restored. And I love this. He restored their names, which means he called them what they were meant to be called. And I'm not saying this to be cute. Please don't think I'm saying this to just be cute and have a cool little saying because this is very important. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that what you are called is what you become. What you are called is what you become. So when Isaac called these wells the same name that his father had given them, he restored them to their original state. But you become what you were called. And so many of us, have allowed the world to give us names. We've allowed the world to call us things and put us in categories and describe who we're supposed to be that we don't even remember who we are supposed to be. The world will try and call us black and white and Republican and Democrat and worthless and difficult and Bible clinger. They'll try and call us all of these things, bigots, homophobes. They'll try and call us all of these things. The world will try and place us in categories because they want us to forget who we are supposed to be. But I'm so glad I found this text. I'm so glad that God revealed this text to me and that he opened up my eyes to some things because what happens is Isaac's enemies stopping the well This is what happened. When they stopped that well, they ended up proclaiming it dead. They proclaimed the wells dead and they proclaimed the wells useless. And I don't know what other people are trying to call you. I don't know what other people are proclaiming you are, proclaiming you should be, or proclaiming what you should become. 
I don't know what they're saying, but I do know that God has made his proclamation that you are called his child, that you are justified and redeemed, that you are no longer a slave and that you are set free. I don't know what the world's trying to call you, but I know what God has called you and he has called you a citizen of heaven. So this is what I love is that Isaac restored the names of what his father had originally given these wells. And I don't know what God is trying to restore in your life. I don't know what was broken once that God is trying to restore. I don't know if it was a relationship. I I don't know. I don't know if God's trying to restore your ability to rely on him instead of yourself because you've gone throughout life and it doesn't seem like God is showing up. It seems like God is letting you, you fail in every single way. And I wonder if God's trying to restore your ability to trust in him. See, what I've learned is that when you go to the well, your name will be restored. When you go to Jesus Christ, your name will be restored. This is what I love about this. This is such a good picture of God and his son, Jesus, is that the son Isaac restored the names that his father had given the wells. Similar to the way that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, restored the names that his father, Father God, was trying to give to us all along. That we are his children. That we are made in his image. That we are his creation meant to be in open relationship with God. He restored their names. But I want to go a little bit deeper and I want to reach another level. I want to rewind a few chapters because this is, this is actually really cool. This is really cool. Look in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 10. What's happening here is that Abraham is trying to get his son Isaac a wife. And so he tells his servant to go find him a wife. So this is what happens. The servant loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. And he traveled to distant Aram Naharim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. Oh, you already know where I'm going. It was evening and the women were coming out to draw water. Oh, Lord God of my master, Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master, Abraham. See, I am standing here beside the spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. And how this story ends is that his servant prays a prayer that if he asks a woman at the well to give him water, that if it's the one that is supposed to be for Isaac, she will offer water to his camels as well. And so he goes up to the woman at the well and he asks Rebecca and he says, hey, will you give me some water? And she offers it to the camels. And so there he was able to find Isaac's wife. And this is this is so interesting to me. It's interesting that his wife was found at a well. His wife was found at a place of living water. It just makes me wonder, what could we find if we spent time at the well, if we spent time with God, if we spent time coming to God day in and day out? If we went to the well, like our life depended on it, like we needed 
this resupply, if we came to the well every single day, I wonder what we would find at the well. See, the servant knew who would be at the well. Because like I told you before, wells were a place of social gathering where the women would come and draw water for their family. So the servant knew this and he knew who was going to be at the well. It reminds me of Jesus when he finds the Samaritan woman at the well. Because he already knew she was going to be at the well before she arrived. And it's funny because she went to the well for a sip. And Jesus was waiting to give her salvation at the well. She went out of necessity because she needed to get water for her family. But Jesus was waiting to give her abundance. What I want you to see is that God already knows when you'll be at the well. God already knows when you'll come back because you ran empty. God is already waiting for you at the well. It's just going to take you showing up at the well to meet God where he's at. Yo, I just want to pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you that you are a living well. You are our supply when we, when we run low. Lord, I thank you that you are able to restore and reopen the very things in our life that we once thought were shut off. I thank you that you are a God of generations, that the things that once plagued those that came before us, you are able to redeem us from those things. Lord, I pray that you help us get to the well, that you help us not just have a well that looks good, but a well that we've dug deep enough to actually get a resource from. Lord, I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yo, I thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you enjoyed this message. If you want to listen to more, we got more content on the podcast. Just hit that link down below. I will catch y'all next week. Peace out.